For the youth, you may be dismissed. You may go to class. We're going to be in Galatians 3, 23 through 29, but it's, it's really interesting as we just even hear the song, Good, Good Father. Um, I'm reminded a lot of times there are some of us in here, in, in this room, and there's maybe some watching even online that when they were growing up didn't have a good, good father. So they don't even know what that is like, and, uh, and they don't know what that culture's like. And that's sort of what's we're going to talk about in Galatians a little bit today as we're digging in. One of my, I love that we're reading the, the whole plan, the whole New Testament together, but one of the struggles that I, that I uh, struggle with too is the mere fact that I wish I could hang out in Galatians a little bit longer because uh, it is a very uh, unique chapter. It's a very, there's a lot going on here, but it's also uh, a very uh, exciting uh, part of what Paul's going to be talking to because there's a cultural difference. There's a cultural difference, just like some people might not have great relationships with their father today. That does not mean, does it not change that God is still not a good, good father. And just like today, when we talk about Galatians, we are going to be able to see that some people try to change the gospel, try to change it. One thing I think we can all agree on is that when we turn on the news today, we don't usually hear a lot of good news. I think no matter where we're at, usually when we are turn on the TV, I would say that we don't usually hear about people building water wells uh, for people to have clean water in other countries. We don't usually turn on the local news and they don't usually talk about how Billy passed the SATs and now he's able to go to college. Usually we do not hear about good news. Usually... Well, well, we do, but it's, we hear good news from the media standpoint. Because what do they want? They want clicks. They want attention. They want that, so they want the good news. It's about a distortion of good news, and that's what's going to be talked about here in Galatians. And so we're going to be talking, going to Galatians 3 today. Um, but to get there, we're going to do a little bit of uh, a lead-up. A lot about Galatians is to know the true good news, that of the gospel, and not distorting it. The real, true, authentic good news is the gospel, which an example is uh, of throughout, and it's throughout Scripture. An example of that is 1 Corinthians 15 3, 4, through 4 says this, For what I have received, I pass on to you as first importance. This is the it's, this is the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's what the Word says. We are dealing with the, what is most important. It's the most important and vital message in the entire world. That's the good news of salvation. That comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The best or the worst sinner can be forgiven and have eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and three days later conquered death. This leads us to our first point today, and that is the background of Galatians. 
So a couple things about what's going on here. Paul is the author, okay? And he is writing to the believers in southern Turkey. Now, at that time, it was uh, Central Asia Minor. And this is around uh, 49 AD. And he is going to be writing this letter. He's writing this letter uh, as a true defense of the gospel. Now, what's going on there is there have been false prophets. Now, if you've read this, you've noticed that there have been some false prophets coming in and saying that they, they are adding to it. They are adding to the gospel. Now, you also have to realize and go back a little bit further is that these churches of Galatia were formed originally by Paul. So Paul has known these churches, started these churches. He's now away, and now he's hearing about this stuff going on in the church. So already, I don't know if you know this about Paul, but he's sort of a bold guy. He's sort of out there. He's willing to, you know, get stoned and then walk back into the city that he just got stoned from. So this guy is not going to mess around. So what has happened here is he's built this. So there's two things that uh, Paul, uh, you can tell right away. One, Paul does not like people messing with the gospel. Secondly, Paul doesn't like people messing with his people. These are people that he's built relationships there's always the story of, like, if you're on a hike, don't get in between a mama bear and a cub, right? Don't get in between. And if you are, make sure you're with someone that's slower or push them down. So don't do that. That would not be the Christ thing to do. Uh, but you got to do what you got to do. Now, uh, what I'm saying there is a mama bear is kind of protect her cub. And Paul is protecting the gospel because he cares for it and loves it, but he also loves the people there. And so he is going to write this letter. He's writing this letter and quickly. Uh, Wearsby says it like this. He goes about Galatians 1, and we're leading up to the, where we'll be in 3. It says, as we begin to read Paul's letter to Galatian Christians, you can tell immediately that something is radically wrong because he does not open the letter as he usually does, praising God and prayer for the saints. He has no time. Paul is about to engage in a battle for the truth of the gospel and the liberty of the Christian life. The false teachers are spreading a false gospel, uh, which is a mixture of the law and grace. And Paul is not going to stand by and do nothing. I think sometimes we aren't bold enough. I'm not bold enough. Yes, there are times where we need to be tactful and have niceties, but sometimes we need to be bold. And, and sometimes being bold is the most loving thing. Now, how, how many of you have heard the old story about the scorpion and the frog? So there's a scorpion and frog, right? And the... Uh, Scorpion wants to get across the river. Well, he can't swim, so he needs the frog. Right? He needs the frog. And so he said, the frog is hesitant. Right? The frog is like, yeah, but your nature is to sting and to poison. And to." he's like, yeah, but why would I do that? I need your help to get across if I sting 
then we both die. The frog thinks about it and says it makes sense. And so the frog considers it and he says, okay, I'll take you across. And midway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog anyway. And as they're both dying, the frog turns and goes, why? And I like this. The scorpion replies, I am sorry, but I couldn't resist the urge. It's in my nature. It's in my nature. Sometimes in our life, we let false things around us too long before calling it out. We aren't bold enough. We think, oh, because it's a nice disease, we're going to let it go. We'll just be nice. We'll deal with it later. Paul is not going to wait. He ain't waiting for, the, for it to corrupt the gospel. He's not going to wait for it to corrupt other things. How many times in our life have we allowed things to corrupt? It's just even if it's on the distance, we don't call it out. We don't deal with it. And then it comes back and it stings us because we didn't deal with it. That is what is great about Paul here is because he ain't messing around. He's calling it out and he is going to have that battle no matter what. As we lead up to the Galatians 3, 23 through 29, Paul is laying down the foundations on many fronts. He discusses his authority and where it comes from. He talks about his motivation and his ministry. He is building a base of which he brings accusations against these false prophets. He is even talking about these false teachers as people that have compromised the Bible. So what is this false gospel that he's going to attack? It's that of the law and grace. As we can see in Galatians 1.6, this is what Paul says. He goes, I am astonished that you are so quickly turning away from the one who called you into grace of Christ for another gospel. There's a couple of words here that really stick out to me. Another word for turning is departure. It's depart. You're just not turning. You are departing from the gospel of what it truly is. So the, the Galatians, there were some Jew people, uh, Jewish people there, and there was also some uh, the Gentiles. So they're there. And then when these false gospels are saying, hey, you need to go back and follow the law, circumcision. You need to start following. You are adding, they are adding to it. And what is happening is now they are turning from the true gospel. It's leaving. And then what is, uh, what is great so is they are so quickly turning, so quickly actually refers back to the Exodus story. Do you know Exodus after the Ten Commandments are given? What do the people do quickly? They build an idol. How many times quickly do, even in our lives, we, we turn, we repent, we're back with God, and then all of a sudden we fall right back into what we were doing. One of my favorite videos, and I forgot to send it, is there, there, it's like in this English country, and there's a huge ravine there, and there's a sheep caught into it. And there's a guy like hanging on to like a stick with his buddy, grabs the sheep, and like, you know, you can just tell it's taking so much work, throws the sheep out, and the sheep runs. And the guy's getting out, and the sheep runs, and then does a U-turn, and then falls right back in. And the guy's like, how quickly is that for us? 
We, we're like, yeah, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm out. I was literally going to fall, but then I, I'd hurt myself. So, uh, but we, we do that all the time. How so quickly? And that, that's why he's saying, how quickly? You have the gospel. You have the truth. You have it. And then now you're turning back. You're departing from what is good. Galatians 1.7, the next verse then says, In fact, it is not another gospel, but that there are some who uh, disturb you and wanting to alter the gospel of Christ. So now they are, they're not just, they're altering the gospel. Thomas Schreiner says this, The Galatians, by turning to the law and circumcision, have departed from such a gospel to one based on human achievement rather than a divine gift. The word gospel harkens back to the promise of return from exile in the Old Testament. Examples are that of Isaiah 40 through 66. The return from the exile is linked with the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel and the inauguration of the new creation. So Paul is looking back at the Old Testament and he sees this as the gospel, the fulfillment of God's saving promises as realized in the ministry, death, and resurrection in Jesus. The forgiveness of sins accomplished in the cross represent the fulfillment of God's promises. These false prophets are coming in and they know the Old Testament well too. And they are coming in and they are wanting the Galatians to return back to the law. The law of rules, legalism, the circumcision works. Do we do that today? Today it could be looked at as church attendance. I don't drink or smoke. I don't do what that other person does. We start comparing ourselves of the works that we've accomplished, the works that we've done. It all goes back to the law. It goes back to accomplishments, our accomplishments, my accomplishments, our pride, our self-righteousness, our human uh, achievement. You know that Paul actually calls the law a prison? He calls it so much that if you're going to obey the law, you have to obey it perfectly. You can't just pick out one thing. We talked about this downstairs, and every time I think about that, I think uh, of baseball. You got to bat a thousand. And if you don't know baseball terminology, that means that you have to get a hit every time you're up to bat or a walk. You can, you, there's no outs. There's no outs. The first time you're out, you're not good enough. Some of the best baseball players out of the world average. Three out of 10 at-bats, three hits. The best ever would be considered, I would put Ted Williams up there, bats 400. Woo! He's good. I think it's even higher than that. In the sense, I mean harder than that, I think you can't get a strike. You can't let a strike by. Not just a batting 1,000. That's the, 
the standard of what, what the law is. The law is a high account if that's what you want to go by. And that's the, that's the rub. The people are wanting these Christians to go back and to, to do the law and to do that, to make sure they're verified by that. And by saying that, they're saying Christ is not enough, that you can earn it. And Paul's having none of that. Paul does not take this lying down. He basically tells them that they are accursed, which means they are <laughs> dictated to destruction. He basically curses them for the changes of the Bible. Paul is laying the foundation of the purpose of God to reclaim the nations, which was discussed from the beginning. From Abraham, all nations will be blessed. This leads to point number two, inheritance in Christ. We're going to be reading from Galatians 3, 23 through 27 now. It says that now this, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, in prison until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I love this. But now that faith has come, it's here. He's here. The law was our guardian. I want us to think about the word faith. It's, uh, it's combined with what, who Jesus is, but it's also, I think, when you look at the actual word, faith also means trust. And a word that I really uh, resonate with is loyalty. Talked about believing loyalty. What is, what is that loyalty to? Because I think sometimes we take the word faith and be like, I was going to pull up a chair in faith. Oh, I have faith in that chair. And you can sit in it. I, tr- I trust it and all that. Do I have a loyalty to that chair? Like, am I consistently always sitting in that chair? Now, some of you might have a chair at home that you can, that's my chair. I sit in it. I lean back. I do. I'm extremely loyal to that chair. But what I'm saying is, is that it's a combination of faith, trust, loyalty in, and in Christ. But faith has come. We are, but we were held captive under the law. Now, many of us then go to the question, and I had a great discussion uh, with one of my friends to talk about why the law was given then. Why was the law given if this was the fulfillment? One, it was to show God's standard. It's a high standard. It's to show holiness. It's to show what it takes. Number two, it also it is to restrain our transgressions. How many times do we destroy ourselves from the apple to the flood to the Tower of Babel? God has now made it a standard of, hey, let's, this will help us restrain ourselves from falling back into our evil ways. And the law was also meant to mediate until the Messiah came. But actually, it imprisoned us because we realized God's standard 
is impossible to achieve, as Paul states. I like what Guzik says. It says, the law could not capture the heart of man. Verse 26 then says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This started making me look into uh, looking at like too much of old English, like the heirs, like, you know, like kingdom. What does heirs mean? And uh, it gets crazy. Different people have different uh, different rules, but mostly it's the first son. And then after that son, it's their, their sons and the, it follows on into uh, different process. But then it got crazy when like different people would you know, I, I went down a rabbit hole. I'm not going to lie. I spent like 20 minutes way too long of seeing different, like, uh, uh, Queen Catherine trying to kill this one to try to get her son to be in charge. Like, there, but there's an order of knowing that you are in the family, and if it works out, you are an heir. You are in the kingship. You are in that process of being in the family. And that leads to the third point. We're in the family of God. We are part of Abraham's seed. And I think this is a huge part of what Paul is talking about here uh, of to lead up to this uh, in uh, Galatians 3. Paul has referred to Genesis 15 already earlier, okay? He's already talked about Abraham. Abraham, he's basically, uh, what, what did he tell Abraham, uh, Abram at that time? Hey, let's go outside. Let's look at the stars. Look at the, the, it will be all, this is your seed. This will be your generation. This is what's going to happen. This will be your descendants. He's already mentioned that. And then he says, we are all part of that. Now he's bringing that back to Abraham's righteousness. Abraham, what did Abraham do to earn the righteousness I like, I, like, I like Dawn. She's like, she didn't say it, but I like mouth it. She believed. She didn't go, he didn't go do anything. He believed and it was counted as righteousness, which is huge because we talked about in Sunday school a little bit earlier. It's like, he, didn't, he wasn't circumcised at that point. He hadn't been baptized at that point. He hadn't done anything. He just believed and trusted and his loyalty was now with God. And it was counted as righteousness. And now that is what is happening in the Galatians right here. He is describing what faith and faith alone is. It is that believing loyalty, believing faith in God. There, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Paul is talking about there is no dividing line. Not when we're talking about the Gentiles and Jews, not talking about the, the what, male or female, free or slave. There's no division at all in the body of Christ. Now, let, I want to get this out of the way too. That does not mean there aren't differences. It does not mean that there aren't differences. 
from the Jews and the Gentiles, male and female. But in Christ's eyes, and this would have been, uh, been huge and radical because back then, though many women didn't have any opportunity to be sons of God or in the alignment. This is radical. You are now in the family. This is you are now heirs. You are now in the whole process. This is radical change from the culture of the day. Paul, Paul acknowledges that there are many differences in people, but he is saying that the, even though the, we have different people, we are all unified in Christ. That's why I love the saying, and uh, me, if you, I've probably said this already in a sermon, but I love talking to Brett about this, uh, blood is thicker than water. We've actually changed the saying, the, the blood of Christ is what unites us, is more than the water of the womb. That's the original saying. So blood is thicker than water is that we are now united in Christ. If I have a loved one that's blood, but they're not in Christ, I'm not, I'm not united with them. But I'm, un, I'm united with you. How cool is that? But David Guzik does say, sadly, some Christians still draw lines today. Some draw lines between denominations. Some draw lines between races. Some draw lines between nations, political parties, economic classes. For example, if you feel you have more, in common, more common ground with an unbeliever who shares your race or your political party than the genuine Christian from another race or political party, you have drawn a line that Jesus died on the cross to erase. We're under the family of God. And this is the, the attack, and this is what is done. And then Paul, Paul was, was directed by God. You know that uh, Warren Wiersbe says this. This is what the Jews used to, to pray. The Pharisees would pray this each morning. I thank thee, God, that I am a Jew, not a Gentile, a man, not a woman and a free man and not a slave. Do you think Paul knew what he was saying when he wrote those? When he wrote, there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Do you think he knew what he was saying? I think so. He's breaking down the walls of the law. We are no longer held by the law. And as humans, and this is what we really struggle with, everything in the world is built on our accomplishments of what we do. We fall into thinking this way and about everything. Accomplishments could easily become our identity. We then easily forget what God did for us. Some of you are still standing on your accomplishments. I have this in front of my name, or I did this, or I scored 17 points in the fourth quarter of a basketball game uh, uh, my uh, eighth grade year against Brad Boyles, but no one knows about that. So, you know, like, I still stand on my accomplishments because I am awesome at eighth grade basketball. 
but they don't, those don't stand. But I think what has happened here is that we feel that we have to earn God's love. We have to, to do that. The, a human example of this is, am I still at a place where I have to earn my wife's love? Do I still have to earn she loved me or not? Or do I get the opportunity and honor and joy to be in love with her? What is so funny is this week, I couldn't think of a story of like, hey, her forgiving me or showing love when I do something really like dumb. And I was like, and this whole week I was thinking the whole time I was like, but I felt like I, I'm dead serious. I will give you it at the right time. John, I will, you will know it at the right time. It's like, okay, I'll trust you. So this morning, I'm getting cereal ready for the girls and I pull out the milk out of the, the carton. And I, as I pull it out, do you know how, you know, when you open the fridge, they have those, those uh, the side containers and they can pop off, right? Well, it was too packed. And as I was pulling the milk out, it all came out and everything dropped. Now, the big thing that dropped in there was her coffee in a glass container. Glass everywhere. Coffee, her coffee everywhere. At that moment, I did not feel I had earned her love. At that moment, I felt the wrath was coming. But I got love. As she wanted to clean it up because she knew I had to be here and I was helping keep the glass away from the girls and taking care of it. And all of a sudden we do that. And all of a sudden it like triggered in my mind. It's like at that moment I could, I didn't earn her love. We were, we were in a relationship together. We had loyalty together. We were in it together. My, my works didn't pull us closer together. Now, there, there's days where I'm scared because it's me and I make bad mistakes. And I get that. And it's like, oh, I got to do that. But that's not how God tells us he loves us. It's not what the scripture says. It says by, by faith. Now, when we're talking, and, and I get so many times we get a little bit confused because we talked about James downstairs' faith and works, and, and then you know the fruit. But I think Paul explains this in Galatians 5. He does a good job here in Galatians 5 of explaining this faith and this trust and this love together. But then, like, what, is that, what does that end up? What do the works end up with? And he says this says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. 
you have fallen away from grace. For though the spirit we eagerly await by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised has any value. And then this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Do we live like that? Do you live like that or do you live for the achievement? Do you feel that you have to have the achievement to have right standing? Because I can tell you, it's so easy to seep in like the scorpion. It's so easy to be like, hey, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that, then Jesus loves me. I have to do that, I have to do this, and then, then that, that's not what the scripture says. You will then express itself through love. And that's why you can tell the fruits of other people as you see throughout scripture. That's what it is. Then you can see the fruit through love because of what people do because of that. Because if you are truly forgiven, because I can tell you in my life, I am not batting a thousand in sin category, salvation category. So if, I, if I'm totally forgiven by Jesus because my faith and trust is in him, then I should have joy, compassion, love, patience, peace. I, I, and then I live that out. And then that is the works because I've been forgiven much. Some of us don't think we've been forgiven much. Forgiven little. Because what we do is we say, well, I'm not like this person. Some of us really even have an issue. It's like, I don't have a salvation story that's like, I was in drugs and I was doing alcohol and then I found Christ in turn. Congratulations, <laughs> you're blessed. You're blessed. You still have a story because your one sin is just as guilty as the million and billions over here. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so I want us to realize that, that, that you can't earn it on accomplishments on this side, but you can show it by loving because you have faith and salvation in Christ and Christ alone. So I don't know where you're at right now. Some of you have maybe let scorpions around your life too long and you haven't addressed them and you haven't been bold and you haven't called them out to be, hey, I'm trusting in this alone. I'm loyal to God alone. I tell you, it would have been a lot different if I would, uh, if I'm not loyal to my wife, correct? Right? Are she not loyal to me? Our relationship probably would have had a little bit of a changey change. Correct? There would have at least been a couple of discussions. Maybe you need to have a discussion with God. Maybe you need to have that and so as we worship and as we sing the song, the, the altar's open, but here's the great thing too, you can do it in your seat right now too. You can deal with it. But be obedient to what God calls 
not what human calls. I think too many times when we go up to the altar, we think too much of what other people might think when I'm up here. Their opinion don't matter. That's a scorpion. That is, that is a lie. That is another law. It's you and God. You're not going to go up there and be like, well, I didn't go up there because Billy was going to judge me up here. God's like, okay. No, I, I, if you do it there, no one comes up here. That doesn't phase me. It's all about you and God. It's always about you and God and what he did for you on the cross. We're going to worship and then Brad will close.